I love a good mystery, and so does everyone else. In fact, everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. I know that our listeners will absolutely love this game because you are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder, and you're becoming a detective. You're looking for clues, and each scene will lead you to a new thrilling storyline. This is a great way to engage your observation skills to uncover key pieces of information that lead you on to many chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. Right now, I'm in the process of interviewing family members, and this is bringing me back, just so you know, to my days in law enforcement, and I'm having such a blast with it because it is so much more lighthearted, but it also has the mystery of where will this take me? You can even chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. Megan, I think we should join a detective club together. We've got this. (laughs) Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. In the early morning hours, a woman and her dog were found brutally stabbed in a popular Atlanta park. This gruesome crime scene left authorities puzzled as suspects ranged from her lover to a possible sadistic serial killer. This is the Katie Janess story. Megan. Hey, Amy. Happy birthday. Thank you. Just what you wanted to do with your birthday is record, right? Yeah, it's my favorite thing to do. And I got my free Starbucks drink. I am a happy birthday girl. I know. And I know you celebrated. Uh, I remember you and Alan went to a comedy club and a restaurant. Nice night out. So I'm sure that today will be a little more low key, but still a good day, right? A very good day. So what do we have for today? This is a very recent case. Sometimes we do older cases, but Mm -hmm. this case, it's only a couple of months old and it remains unsolved to this day. One of these cases that I really hope to be doing an update episode very soon when they solve this heinous crime. And I don't know how you always manage to pick cases that I don't know. I think this came to us from a listener and then I dug into it. I don't think I organically just found this case. Okay. But I've become quite fixated on this, and I think you will, too, once you hear the details of this case. All right. I'm looking forward to hearing this case, though I do realize that this one is also one of those gruesome cases. So um, it's good to make people aware of that ahead of time. Uh, Before we get to this episode, though, um, I think that we want to thank our supporters and also just mention what a wonderful AMA happy hour we had, right? 
I am still on a high because we had such an awesome turnout. And I learned so much from our patrons. We had a lot of people who are professionals in the field who were really able to give us some really interesting insight into some of our cases. It was a great conversation. Really, really had a good time. And Thank you so much for showing up. So let's turn to our supporters today. Who do we have to thank, Amy? I want to send a big thank you to Jules Welsh. We also have two Amys. One is just Amy. The other one is Amy Fumiko Gomez. Your husband, Joey, loves you very much. So Amy's husband, Joey, bought her a Patreon subscription for their anniversary. That's a good guy you got there, Amy. That is so sweet. We also have Awesome Omi from Nebraska, a.k.a. Mary Rehack. I love it. I'm going to call you Awesome Amy from now on, just so you know. (laughs) And Megan, who else do we have? We also would like to thank Dawn Marie. Jeanette, who listens with her wife, Lita, in Linwood, Washington. Very cool. We love couples who listen together. And finally, Cassandra from Southern California. Thank you all so much for your support. We look forward to engaging with you and getting to know you all. And when you support the show, you get perks like invites to our virtual happy hours and exclusive episodes. All right, Megan, on to the Katie Janess story. At the time of the events we are discussing, Katie, born as Catherine Janess, was 40 years old and living in Midtown Atlanta. I believe she was from Michigan, but there's little known about her background. Mm -hmm. Her mother and her sister are currently residing in Michigan. Okay. What we do know is that she met her partner, Emma Clark, sometime around 2014 or 2015 when she was about 33 years old and Emma was 10 years her junior. The two lived together and had three dogs, and although they were not married, they referred to each other as each other's wives. It would be like common law. Yes, I would say so, yep. And Katie was very close with Emma's family. Katie worked as a bartender at an Italian restaurant and bar nearby, and she was also a bar manager at an improv theater in Atlanta. She was a very talented musician. Katie wrote songs and poetry, and she also played the guitar. Katie was also very active in the city's LGBTQ community and a social justice advocate in general. On July 27, 2021, the couple spent the day together and then Emma headed to work. She too worked as a bartender at a nearby restaurant. And Katie had stayed home with the dogs that evening. Later in the evening, Katie took their three-year-old pit bull Bowie for a walk, as she normally would. Now, around midnight, they stopped by the bar where Emma was working to just say a quick hello. And this is something Katie would often do if she was off and Emma was working. Katie had planned to take Bowie for a walk and then return to the bar so that the couple could go home together when Emma's shift was done. At 12.09 a.m. on July 28th, a city surveillance video showed Katie walking Bowie across an intersection towards Piedmont Park. And this has become quite a famous picture. It's a pride crosswalk. Midtown Atlanta had a very thriving LGBTQ population, and this particular crosswalk was painted in, you know, the rainbow flag. Right. Now, Piedmont Park, do you know anything about Piedmont Park? I don't. I don't know much about Atlanta. Okay, so Piedmont Park, it's a very popular city park. Some really describe it as Atlanta's Central Park. It's much smaller, but it it has a lot of similar um, attributes as, as Central Park. Oh, Central Park, New York. Got it. Now, this location of Piedmont Park is less than a half a mile from Emma's work, and it would have taken Katie about five minutes to get there. Emma's shift had ended a bit before 1 a.m., and since Katie was not there to meet her, she headed home by herself. Emma says she called and texted Katie several times, but she had no response and decided she would head home to see if Katie was at home with Bowie. Mm. When Emma gets home, she saw that Katie and Bowie were not there, so she traced Katie's location by using Find My iPhone. Right. We see this in a lot of cases lately. Oh, yeah. And she saw that it was pinging nearby, although not moving. It was pinging 
nearby, so she left home on her bike and headed towards where the ping was. Now, this led her to the entrance of Piedmont Park. She actually figured Katie probably just dropped her phone in the park. If it was me, I probably would have assumed the worst from the beginning. But Emma says she just thought, you know, Katie walked the dog and maybe she had left her phone. I would have assumed the worst, too. Yeah. So it's now around 1 a.m. Emma approaches the park and she notices Bowie laying on the ground about 50 feet into the park and he was deceased. Then about 100 feet further into the park, she noticed Katie laying on the ground. This was about a half a mile from that intersection surveillance that I mentioned earlier. Oh, she found them. This is terrible. Yeah. So as Emma told 11 Alive News, quote, I ran up to her. I tried to feel for a pulse, but it was clear that she was gone. I turned around and I just ran out of the park. It was dark and I didn't know what was going on. I was terrified and shocked. And that's when I called the cops immediately. It's now about 1.10 a.m., almost an hour after the last known image of Katie was captured. Emma made a frantic call to 911. Megan, I'm going to play this call, okay. and then we can talk about it. Okay. Carolina 911, operator 7959. What's the address to your emergency? Sir, I'm at the entrance of Piedmont Park. I just was searching for my girlfriend's phone because I couldn't find her. She's dead. She's here at Piedmont Park. Please help. You said somebody's dead oh at Piedmont Park? Yes, sir. she you can kind of hear her say to a man in the background did you just see that and then the man responded yes and emma says that's my effing girlfriend and the man says what the f you yeah heard that, i right? heard that okay. yeah megan if you don't mind let's save our dissection of the 911 call until later on in the episode when we talk about theories okay generally the crime of murder is prosecuted in state courts as murder is a state crime for those of our listeners who may not be aware of this, murder becomes a federal crime when it occurs in violation of federal law or when it takes place on a federal land or territory. So, for example, if a murder is of a federal judge or a federal law enforcement officer or if a person is killed during the commission of a bank robbery, which is a federal crime. Now, the reason I tell you this is because the FBI joined the investigation almost immediately. Some people might have wondered why. Because, again, a typical murder, the FBI is not usually brought in unless it falls into one of those categories. Right. However, this had people speculating a little bit about what was going on here. Any thoughts? What about this crime would make them bring in FBI? Uh, well, you haven't really told me the aspects of the crime yeah. yet, so I'm not sure if I could answer that. Okay. The police would say that this was the most gruesome crime scene they had ever seen. Oh, so they might have brought in the FBI for profiling. Some in the community speculated you know, was this a hate crime because mm -hmm. she was very active in the LGBTQ community? Mm -hmm. Or could this be the work of a serial killer? Mm -hmm. You know, this image of Katie walking across the Pride crosswalk, it was widely released. And it was the only known footage of her from that night, as far as we know. 
But this seems a little strange because you would think there'd be more footage because she was walking through the middle of Atlanta, passing many residences and many restaurants and bars Mm -hmm. and stores. And she was also in a popular city park. So why was there not more surveillance? Well, unfortunately, none of the city's nine surveillance cameras inside the park were working at the time of the murder. Get out. Yes. And this caused quite a stir. Well, that's like city negligence, too. Yeah. And apparently the city knew for some time that the cameras were not functioning. So they took a lot of heat for this. Side note. I think rightfully so. Yeah. There were some cameras outside and around the park, however, that were working. And they revealed some other people in the area around the time of the murder. Now, there was a group of women who were seen walking from the park at 11.55 p.m. There was three women. Then at 12.25 a.m., a man with a cane is seen walking on the opposite side of the park from where Katie and Bowie's bodies were found. At 12.43 a.m., a person in a hoodie and jeans is seen walking away from the same entrance where her body would later be found. And then at 12.46 a.m., a jogger is seen running in and out of the park just yards away from the scene around the same time as the murder. In August of 2021, the police released several still shots from these videos And they made sure to clarify that these were possible witnesses and Mm -hmm. not suspects. Now, why do you think this is so? Well, they don't want to scare them. They want them to come forward. They want them, you know, they want some cooperation here. Yep. And we see that happen often when they have unknown people that could possibly be witnesses. It's always important to make it known that these are not suspects. Right. But people who can help with the case. Exactly. Very quickly, the man who was seen jogging was located, came forward. He did not provide any helpful information to the police that we know of. What I know is what is public, but as far as I know, others have not yet come forward. Why? Could they have something to hide? Could they be scared or could they just not even know that? I was going to say it's possible they don't even know that it's them or remember or watch the news or, yeah. you know, any number of explanations. Although this case was huge in Atlanta. So I would imagine, they, you know, but it's possible people are just scared. They don't want to get involved. Maybe or, someone moved. Maybe you, you just don't know. Or maybe they have something to hide. Right. Many didn't know what happened to Katie and Bowie. All that was known was that this woman was found deceased with her dog in the park. So rumors were swirling. Like what happened? How did she die? Did Emma have something to do with it? Are you going to tell us, Amy, about the injuries? Of course I am, Megan. Uh, Okay, I was just wondering. But the public didn't know yet, so that's why I don't want you to know yet. Okay, fair enough. So the public will find out shortly, as will you. But people were wondering, could it have been, like I said, could it have been a hate crime, a serial killer? Was it one of the many homeless people in the park that had attacked this woman and her dog? Well, it wasn't until November 2021, about four months after the murder, that the public would at least hear what had happened to Katie and Bowie. Mm. The Fulton County Medical Examiner's autopsy report would reveal the shocking details of Katie's murder. I know we say this at the beginning of the episode, Megan, but listener discretion is advised. This is extremely disturbing and extremely graphic. Okay. First, we'll start simply with her cause of death. Katie died from sharp force injuries that punctured major blood vessels and internal organs. Overall, she was stabbed more than 50 times and mutilated in the attack. There was evidence that she was attacked from behind at some point as there were over 15 stab wounds to her back. Mm -hmm. Some speculate that a multicolored tattoo on her back was the target of a lot of the stab wounds. It's not clear what this was a tattoo of, but it may have been a pride flag or something of the sort. Basically something that's signaling the community, which she's a part of and advocating for. Yeah. 
but it could also have just been random. We don't we don't know. Okay. We also can't be certain if these injuries occurred first. In other words, was it a blitz attack that started from behind? Because there were many injuries also to the front of her body. Mm -hmm. And from what I've read, they have not been able to say which have happened first. Mm -hmm. So moving on, she was stabbed in the throat and she was nearly decapitated. Mm. She was also stabbed at least 15 times in the face, including deep abrasions to her eyebrows, eyelids, nose, and lips. Wow. She was stabbed in each breast. And as a result of these injuries, there was significant damage to her aorta and left lung. Wow. This is brutal. And I'm not done, Meg. All right. And the only reason why I'm going through all this is because this is still, this case is still open. And I think it's important to get all the details out there. It might also help us try to figure out kind of like profile an offender a bit or what type of person would do this. There was also a long incision from her sternum to her groin, and she had been disemboweled. Katie's pants had been pulled down to her knees, and her shirt had been pulled up, but the autopsy does not note any evidence of damage or wounds to her genitals or any evidence of sexual assault. Okay. Now, perhaps the most puzzling about the vicious attack, the letters F-A-T were carved into her lower chest slash upper abdomen. And she had, quote, significant mutilation to her torso as the autopsy read. Now, side note, Katie was five foot five and she weighed about 155 pounds. She had a BMI of 25. The reason I'm telling you this is the autopsy report noted that she was classified as a, quote, normal weight. Right. Now, given the positioning of these letters, it appeared as though the letters were carved upside down as if someone was, you know, straddling her backwards. It was also noted that she was likely alive when the letters were carved into her. Katie also had multiple defensive wounds on her palms, hands, and arms, which is more evidence that she was alive for part of the attack. Mm -hmm. Bowie, the pit bull, had also been stabbed to death. But as far as I could find, they haven't released his autopsy, which is called a necropsy, which is the examination of an animal after death, with the purpose being to determine the cause of death. Mm -hmm. It had been speculated that Bowie was killed first. Maybe he was trying to protect Katie, Mm -hmm. which could explain why she was about 100 feet away from Bowie when they were found. Right. I mean, maybe she was trying to flee, but based on what we know about her, I bet she would have tried to help the dog. I was just thinking the same thing. Mm -hmm. Following the release of the report, Emma Clark's father, who was very close with Katie, released a statement on behalf of the family saying, quote, with today's release of Katie's autopsy report, it's more important than ever that the search for her killer be a top priority for the APD and the FBI. The report is extremely heartbreaking to read and know the exact nature of what Katie endured in her final moments on this earth. Whoever is responsible is very disturbed and remains a danger to everyone's safety. Please be vigilant and aware of your surroundings, for we would hate for any family to be put through this nightmare. Authorities also released a public statement at this time saying, quote, Our investigators continue working tirelessly to find the person or persons responsible. We understand it is frustrating for there to be so little information released publicly. However, to ensure the investigation isn't compromised, we simply cannot release much information on our active investigation. We know how important this case is to those in our community, and we will continue to work to bring this investigation to a resolution. Well, Megan, that was about four months ago, and not much more is known. Well, that's still early in an investigation. I know people hope for, you know, something more expeditious and 
I understand that, but there's, you know, a lot, it sounds like a lot of aspects here. I bet the FBI is helping to come up with a very precise profile. They're probably doing a lot of work to try to narrow the pool of type of offender this is. Yeah, I think you're right. Although it doesn't seem that long in these types of investigations. Could you imagine being a resident of that area? I mean, I can't imagine being a resident, a family member. I'd be terrified. And people are terrified. I absolutely understand why. Several local people were interviewed and said they don't leave their house. They don't, you know, they don't go anywhere. Right. Alone. This is a safe area, generally speaking. There is a lot of gun violence. And as you probably know, Atlanta has very high crime rates, unfortunately, because of gun violence Mm -hmm. recently. But these types of crimes are very rare. These types of crimes are very rare in most places. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, the police haven't publicly ruled anyone out at all. And this is often the case until they could develop a motive or a suspect list. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, there's not been much public movement in this case, other than a recent press conference in early January of 2022, where Atlanta police officials attempted to erase any notion that Katie's murder had gone cold. So people were starting to put pressure on the police. They wanted to give a press conference to say, although there have been no arrests, this case is very much active and they continue to work leads that come in almost weekly and that they meet also with the FBI weekly to work on these new leads. Mm -hmm. They also talked about how they had a competent team of homicide detectives with years of experience and they're combing through a mountain of biological, physical, and electronic evidence. Okay, so I was going to ask you about the evidence in terms of, you know, did they have any blood, DNA, you know, they have it, but we don't know what it is, is what you're kind of saying. Yeah, they're being very tight-lipped. Okay. So, you know, they say the investigation is moving in the right direction, and they do say they are getting close. What I do know as far as what they've released is that they did a rape kit, and there was no evidence of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. I know that they, you know, they preserved fingernail clippings. Mm -hmm. There were some hairs found at the scene. Okay. I think the reason they're taking a while on the dog victim here is because some speculate that perhaps the dog bit the perpetrator and there could be a lot going on. Yeah. Um, Well, and this evidence, you know, it takes time to, you know, to to match this kind of stuff. It's not as quick as we'd like it to be, unfortunately. There was one other news article recently that suggested that Katie may have known her killer. And it wasn't the police who put this out, although the article says law enforcement sources and a former prosecutor. Although it sounds to me like it's just speculation. Mm-hmm. Again, it wasn't put out by anyone on the investigative team, but mm-hmm. it's put out. A former prosecutor in Fulton County okay. came forward and said that. There was also an article uh, recently on legislation that was approved to address safety measures in city parks. And surveillance cameras are supposed to be installed soon, but I had not found anything that suggested has happened yet. So as we see in these types of cases, at least policy is changing as a result of what happened. Well, I I damn well hope so. Yeah. All right, Megan, let's dissect this a bit, because a lot of the cases we discuss are solved. But when we have an unsolved case, it really gives us more time to talk about theories. The way I see it is there are three major possibilities. The Uh first one is the attacker was someone she knew, right? Mm -hmm. Second one is that it was a stranger slash random attack. Mm -hmm. The third one is that it was a serial killer, which could, of course, fit into number two, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of a class of its own. They sure are. So let's talk about the attacker being someone she knew. Could this have been a crime of passion or rage? Now, theories about this have run rampant on social media, with many speculating. Who do you think many people started questioning? Probably her girlfriend. Exactly. Now, why? 
Well, number one, we always look at those closest to the victim. She also discovered the victim and called 911. So there's that as well. All right. Well, talking about the 911 call, Megan, as we have seen in too many cases before, people have really broken this apart. And some people say she wasn't upset enough. Some people say she sounded like she was faking. And this drives me nuts. There's even articles that have the headline that say like sketchy 911 call or something, you know, something along those lines. What did you think about the 911 call? I heard a terrified young woman calling like because she was absolutely out of her mind uh, after finding this gruesome scene, both her dog and her girlfriend. Yeah. And there's no history of any violence or issues with the couple. Yeah. I'll tell you, like, really, almost certainly, I do not think it was her. I do not think it was her partner. Also, the timeline's too tight. She was fully at work and they searched everything. Cell phone, home. uh, There's nothing tying her. Well, you know, she fully cooperated with, with the police. Some people say, well, maybe it's through a third party she did something, but... It's possible. The characteristics of a crime also don't indicate to me, though, a female perpetrator. That's interesting that you say that. Why? Well, females, when they kill, especially if you kill a partner, they would tend to poison them. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't tend to, you know, try to strangle or stab or beat in general. There's also other characteristics with the mutilation that make me think this is like a gender-based violence attack, which I can talk about mm-hmm. also. Uh, I just do not believe yeah. that this is a female perpetrated attack. I agree. Attack. And then, also, it's sorry, hard to, you know, it's someone you know, but, you know, females will typically choose these alternate methods because they don't want to have to fight someone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like take that physical route. They, they, they go usually go the route of more incapacitation or a firearm, something that's not as physically yes. exhausting. If you look at the statures of Emma and Katie, I don't know that she would have been able to overtake her. Of course, if she had a weapon, maybe, but... It just doesn't strike me that that's what she would have done. Sorry, did Emma have cuts on her hands? Oh, good question. Um, Emma did not have any cuts on her. There was no blood evidence on her or anywhere in the house. Because Emma, of course, proclaimed her innocence, she urged the Atlanta Police Department to publicly clear her because she was being harassed. She was receiving death threats. She had to move out of Atlanta. No, it's unbelievable. Because people were, you know, tormenting her, but they have not cleared her yet. And I don't think that's an indication of her guilt. No. So if you look at the extreme depravity of the murder, it suggests, at least to me, Megan, that it's a crime of passions. It was a personal thing. Do you agree? Um, Yes and no. So yes, it seems like a lot of anger, heat, rage. But I also know from my work on serial offending that there are serial killers who have also killed in this kind of method. And Mm -hmm. you you would think it was, you know, it's still anger, but it's not personal anger. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, is it possible that the killer got close enough to Katie regardless of her protective pit bull because maybe it's somebody that the dog was familiar with? Because pit bulls are wonderful, loving animals, but Mm -hmm. they are very protective of their owner. So is it possible that the pup may have been familiar with the suspect? Possible, but that's just one opinion. Did they trace everyone from the bar? Because if, if it's someone she knew, then I would have to believe if it's someone who knew her routine or had to have followed her from the bar. Because I'm just saying at that time of night and where she was, it had to be someone who followed her. And the only place I can think of would be she stopped at the bar Mm -hmm. and perhaps there's someone there who perhaps it's someone who likes Emma and doesn't like her. Um, You know, there's a number of reasons, but I would suggest she had to have been followed. So I hope they're following up on everyone who was in the bar that night. I'm sure they are. Yeah, because that wasn't her normal route either. It's not as if she did that every single night or it could have been like our next theory will be totally a total random attack. Right. But before we get there. Is it possible someone targeted her due to a grudge? I mean, everyone said she had no known enemies and she was not the type to argue or fight with anyone according to friends and family. Mm -hmm. However, she was quite outspoken about social justice issues. Mm -hmm. So maybe that incited someone. 
Possibly. As you mentioned, maybe someone was in love with Emma and was jealous. Mm-hmm. Maybe Katie was having an affair. We don't know. No. We a lot of pos- no I mean, lots of possibilities here. Really quick, before we move on to the stranger random attack, what do you think about this idea about why someone was able to incapacitate the dog? Do you think it's possible that it was a blitz attack on the dog? Like, how do you incapacitate a pit bull if you are well, a stranger? You said he stabbed him. Yeah, but if you see a dog, like, unless it's a blitz attack, you can't, like, dogs hear and smell and see you coming. Yeah, unless it was someone who got close enough, said, oh, cute dog, and then got right next yeah. to the dog. I mean, that, that's, yeah. the only thing we could probably surmise is that the person had to incapacitate, kill the dog so that they kill could the kill. the dog first, yeah. Yeah, or, I would think so. So it's almost like Bowie wasn't targeted, he was just in the way. Of, I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay, the next one, Megan, is the possibility of a stranger or a random attack. Mm-hmm. I think if we go this route, there's many victimology theories that are helpful to understand this possibility. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like perhaps routine activities theory. Right. Right. So maybe we had a motivated offender mm-hmm. and they saw a suitable you know, target. They saw a suitable target. An absence of any capable guardians. There we go. I mean, it's like the perfect storm of events. If you have someone who's looking to do something violent mm-hmm. and then you have this woman by herself, although... Some would argue that a pit bull is is a capable guardian. Capable guardian, yeah. So that might put a wrench in that theory, but... It doesn't put quite a wrench in it for me. But yeah, I would say uh, guardians don't necessarily have to be people. They could be be lighting, so absence of lighting. they they also had a lot of cameras, although they were not working. I mean, unless somebody knew they weren't working, which I guess is possible. Or someone who doesn't think about that. Or doesn't care. Doesn't care, right. Victim precipitation theory, Mm -hmm. passive precipitation if this was a hate crime. How so, Amy? Explain. That would be when a victim is targeted because of some characteristic unbeknownst to them that is inciting their attacker. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if somebody was hateful towards someone in the LGBT community and Mm -hmm. they knew that Katie was part of this community, Mm -hmm. then perhaps her um, identifying Mm -hmm. as LGBTQ is what incited the attack on her. Correct, okay. I mean, could it have even been active? Perhaps, but people say she didn't, you know, she wasn't argumentative. So right. active precipitation would mean that... She's inciting it in some way, Yeah, like way, she provoked right? an attack. Right. I don't think that would fit. I don't think that fits. So Emma has said that she did not have a lot of people outside of her job that she would speak to on a regular basis. So in other words, Katie kind of kept to herself um, you know, she had some friends, but, you know, she wasn't all she wasn't so social that she had tons of acquaintances. It sounds like she's just a normal person who yeah. liked to be at home. She had a job. She liked to be at home with her wife and her yeah. dogs. This sounds like, a, a, yeah. you know, um, as Emma suggests, maybe it was somebody who saw an opportunity. That's all I can think, she says. I honestly don't know. So is it possible it was a wrong place, wrong time, such as, you know, there's as we said, there's a very large transient homeless population mm-hmm. in that park. Mm-hmm. So is it possible that? Somebody was just angry and kind of went nuts on her. Sure. I mean, do stranger attacks? And this kind of leads us into serial killers. But Mm -hmm. do we see this level of mutilation? I guess Jack the Ripper mutilated his victims and they were strangers. There have been a couple. Yeah. You know, there have been a couple famous ones who have done some real mutilation and cannibalism, disembowelment. So, yes, it happens. It's very rare. But this kind of crime is going to be rare no matter what. I mean, I'd say it's definitely possible that it's a serial, but it's also, it kind of reminds me, and I won't say like I'm an expert in this, but I remember, have you heard of the the women of Juarez? I don't know much about it, no. It's Juarez, Mexico. And what happened was after, I want to say the early 90s, it might have even been like after NAFTA, what basically happened was that there was a lot of factory work in Juarez itself. And I think it was because of, you know, U.S. trade with Mexico, like that opened up the opportunities. And there was all of a sudden, you know, a lot of factories and a lot of opportunities. But what happened was that, you know, factory work had predominantly been male 
you know, it had been male dominated, considered male, but women were now getting in on this because the factories were, they basically were picking whoever would take the lowest wage and women were taking lower wages. And so what happened was, and I may be botching this a little bit, but the main point is that women were taking a lot of male jobs because of their willingness to work for cheaper. And the males who were losing these jobs became very angry with the women. And all of these women in Juarez started to go missing. And when they found some of them, they tried to explain it as the work of a serial, but it seemed more likely because of the genital mutilation they had that it was in anger. It was men who were angry at these women for taking their status, taking their jobs, and by mutilating them, gen- you know, mutilating their genitals and mutilating them otherwise, that was kind of like reestablishing their male dominance. And I, how's that relevant say, here? The mutil- uh, You said she was mutilated, not genitals, though. But you said possibly. Well, you said in the breasts, and you said possibly a tattoo that represented... Yeah, that represented something status. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I think it's an interesting... I mean, we have to consider all possibilities. Well, it's because we don't know the exact facts right now, but the extreme mutilation tells Mm -hmm. me, like, you know, extreme anger or rage about something. Now, whether it's just a serial or whether it's someone who's really mad at her for maybe taking something perceived, maybe they, Mm -hmm. you know, again, viewed it, maybe it was someone who was uh, interested in Emma, and Mm -hmm. so they saw her as, you know, the reason I'm the man, I should get Emma, this woman is taking my place. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was, it's just a possibility that I thought of. I think it's a valid point. Some commentators have ruled out the idea of a serial killer at play Mm -hmm. since there have been no similar crimes committed. So I was going to point that out as well, or I was going to ask you about that. However, that could be a first. It it could be, or the serial killer could have gotten out of town and maybe they just haven't connected the dots yet. Maybe there are similar crimes in other states. I know the FBI is working on it, so they probably would be able to connect. But it's, you know, it's possible. There was, on the same day, Tori Lang, an 18-year-old woman, was found killed about 20 miles away. She was found killed in another park called Yellow River Park in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Huh. But she had been fatally shot oh. and her car had been found burned in a different park. I don't see any similarities, but mm. there's not much information on that case. I so, mean, just the, the you know, the mode of, of yeah. killing seems to yeah. indicate different killers, but you never know. And as I think I may have mentioned, but I think it bears, uh, I think it's worth repeating the police have long denied any rumors of a serial offender. Now, this could be because they don't want the public to get too worried. Absolutely. But even the mayor came forward and said, quote, I know there have been several rumors that there is a serial killer on the loose in our city. We do not have any evidence of that. It's possible. You know, there, serial killers also fall into different categories. There's local, there's site killers, and then there's mobile serial killers. Yeah. Those who travel from place to mm-hmm. place. And that's about 25%. So it's... It might be that there's not a serial killer per se just in their city, but it could be someone who travels. I just think yep. I, I think it's probably too soon unless they have some real like smoking gun mm-hmm. to definitively state that it's not the work of a serial. And when we talk about the different classifications of serial killers, mm-hmm. would you say this would be if it was in fact a serial killer, would this fall under a sexual sadist? No, usually there's a sexual act involved. I don't think so I'm this... wondering if the mutilation of the breast would put it into that category. Oh, so oh, okay, I see. So uh, you could mention that. So you're, I'm sorry, you're asking it. if it's pickerism, like the sexual satisfaction from stabbing. It could be. I, I, I think between that possibility, because we know there are different paraphilias. There are um, many paraphilias associated with. And what's a paraphilia? Uh, just for those listeners who might not know, it's a type of sexual activity that's 
outside of really the norms, it can be harmful, then it persists for, I think, um, it has to be a period greater than six months. And it's for sexual pleasure. Um, yeah, paraphilias are for sexual pleasure. So um, necrophilia is yeah. a paraphilia, and that's sex with, you know, um, a dead person for a, a sexual pleasure. Um, anthropophagy, which is ingesting flesh. Um, oh, okay, I mean, we can stop there, man. Some of them are not, you know, some of them are more low level, right? So voyeurism, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not saying is not harmful, but it's not as serious, you know, watching others for sexual pleasure. I'm just going to tell you, although I can't be specific about the category, I don't think this is a sexually motivated crime. Yeah. I, this is rage, anger, something else, yeah. need, f- control, but yeah. I don't see sexual motivation. Something else just to add to the mix is some reports suggest that there was medical precision in some of the wounds, particularly in the wound that was from her sternum to her groin. Mm-hmm. So could it be perhaps someone with a medical background? Possibly. You know, there's all these things to consider, and I'm sure the FBI has considered all of them, and I'm sure they're currently investigating all of these ideas. And I'm sure once we have more information, we can probably also refine our opinions, because I still feel like I'm I'm sort of guessing just based on the aspects. Now, look, I understand why they keep these crimes under wraps. It makes me think of um, the Delphi crimes, you know, the Mm -hmm. Delphi murders of the two girls. They're getting close. They're saying they're getting close, mm-hmm. and, and I hope they are, but they have kept everything quiet yep. in that case. And we understand they do that yes. so that they can rule out the false confessors, right? That's absolutely true. They want, they're want they looking for people who know the details mm-hmm. and can say it without reading it in the paper. I also find it curious that no one heard screaming. There were so many people nearby. Think of like, I guess Manhattan's a bigger city, but... This is a bustling area. There were many nearby restaurants and bars with patrons at them at the time. We also saw all those people that were somewhat near the park. No one heard screaming or a dog barking. I mean, is it possible they were both quickly silenced? Uh, it's possible. The dog barking would surprise me more unless the dog, well, the dog was incapacitated quickly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people don't always scream either. There's fr- oh, yeah. freeze. Mm-hmm. You know, people can fight. If you scream, I'll, sh- I'll kill you. But then, also, yeah. if one of the stab wounds right away punctured, she might not have been able to. Punctured, you know, a, a critical organ. She might not yeah. have been able to scream at all. Yeah. Seems so, like there's a lot a lot of questions we need to answer in this case, Amy. Yeah, that's why I wanted to cover this case because there we're definitely going to be doing an update and I hope the update is that this perpetrator is captured because, you know, this is such a horrific crime. Now, anyone with information related to this unsolved case is encouraged to contact the Atlanta Police Department at 404-577-TIPS. Megan, there's a $20,000 reward mm-hmm. for information, you know, leading to the arrest of a perpetrator. 10000 was from law enforcement and 10000 was from PETA, the animal of rights course. group. Yeah, of course. That's great. So there's also a GoFundMe page that was set up to help with expenses. But some people have criticized the way Emma used the money. I don't I don't agree with this. You know, on the GoFundMe page, as Emma set up, she says that Katie was the most intelligent, kind, humble and beautiful person I have ever known. I wanted to spend every second with her. And Bowie was the sweetest, most loyal companion. My heart is so very broken and my world will never be the same. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. So I wish there were more action items in this case. But, you know, get the story out there. And hopefully, you know, we will be sharing an update soon. So, you know. Yep, keep on it, Amy. And let us know what you think. Maybe there's some other theories we haven't even thought of yet. I'm sure there are. Our listeners always suggest theories that we don't think of, and it's so great to hear your opinions. Yeah, all right, Amy. Thank you so much for bringing us this case today. All right, well, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode, and I really urge you to keep an eye out for updates on this case. Before we head out today, we have one question from a supporter. Okay. 
Mary asks, if you could federalize any law regarding crime or criminal justice, what would it be? That's a good one. That might be a little bit of a stumper. I could probably think of something. Let's see. You're Amy, you're the birthday girl. What do you, what would you like to federalize? <laughs> well, you know my area is wrongful convictions, and I would love to see a federal expungement statute for people who are wrongfully convicted. In other words, once they are exonerated, there's an automatic expungement because believe it or not, that does not happen. Also, I would like to see there be a federal compensation statute that is more holistic because right now the compensation statute for wrongfully convicted individuals on the federal level does not provide the level of support that it should. What about you, Megan? I mean, I would wholly agree with the expungement. Um, I think that along in similar areas, I would like to see a type of federal law that criminalizes prosecutorial misconduct, bad conduct done intentionally. Prosecutors have absolute immunity when it comes to civil cases. And though they can be prosecuted criminally, it's very rare. And when it has been, even in egregious cases, the extent of the punishment has been, you know, very short, you know, a couple days in jail and maybe community service and the loss of a license. I'd like to see more serious consequences because I think it would seriously help with violations. Um, and obviously not by all prosecutors. I don't mean it that way. But the ones who do commit these violations, I'd like to see more serious consequences for them going forward. I think it would really help reduce wrongful convictions. Great. Thank you so much for that question, Mary. And thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Women in Crime. Women in Crime is written and hosted by Megan Sachs and Amy Schlossberg. Our producer is James Varga, edited by Jose Alfonso. Music composition is by Dessert Media. If you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can also support the show through Patreon, where you can get access to additional ad-free content, such as virtual happy hours and an extra full-length episode each month. For more information, visit patreon.com slash women in crime. Sources for today's episode include people.com, 11alive.com, Fox 5 Atlanta, Oxygen, CBS 46, Official Autopsy Report, Medium.com, and CrimeOnline.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.